Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. Five more to go, y'all. We got Kevin. Yo. And we got Orchard. What's up, Heat Nation? All right, so let's get right to it. You know, let's chat about this game six win for the Heat as Jimmy Butler came to the rescue and helped Miami force a game seven with the Heat winning by eight. Leading the way for Miami, you got Jimmy Butler with 47 points. That's right, 47, y'all. Four three-pointers, nine rebounds, eight assists, and four steals. Kyle Lowry with 18 points, four triples, 10 assists, and four rebounds. Max Struess with 13 points and three triples of his own, and P.J. Tucker with 11 points, five rebounds, and two steals. Considering how much of a nerve-wracking game this was for the Heat, and considering the fact that they were also just one loss away from being sent home as well, like, what's everyone's reaction to watching the Heat keep their title hopes alive for the sixth game? Start us off, Anthony. Well, I'm going to try to stray away from talking about Jimmy Butler because I know we're going to get into him a ton on this pod. But it was really three things that I wanted to see in the game last night. Obviously, Jimmy. And then I wanted to see them continue to force turnovers. That's been our bread and butter all year, especially against this team so far. And sure enough, we were able to do that for 17 turnovers on 10 steals. But the biggest problem is, is Boston actually also had exactly 10 steals and forced us into 17 turnovers. So that's one reason the game was as close as it was, because typically if you force a team to cough the ball up 17 times, you're doing amazing. But regardless, fortunately, the Heat were still able to do that. And I'm definitely looking for that to happen in game seven also. And then probably the main thing that we wanted to see was a bounce back from the three-point shooting. All I said these last two games is all they had to do would shoot subpar, average to to below average, and they would have won. Instead, they were historically bad, and that was the reason they they had lost those games. So fortunately tonight, or last night, not only did they shoot better than that, they actually shot pretty decent. They shot 42% on 35 attempts. That's as great as that is, believe it or not, that's actually very close to their season average because they did lead the league in three-point shooting. And Boston only took two less attempts than us, and they hit four less threes. So it's not like Boston shot terrible either. So it was still pretty close, which is good news because, you know, the Heat shot great. And if they can do that again, it should be a great sign going into game seven. And then the two guys you really wanted to see step up was Struess and Lowry after shooting one of 28 in the previous two games. Now, neither guy shot super efficient yesterday, but they made shots. So that's already an improvement than what they did in the previous two games, including some monster shots. Struess hit the huge three off of inbounds with a second left, had another big three to balloon the lead to 12. And then Lowry hit the monster, in my opinion, biggest shot of the game, hit a three-pointer to tie the game after Derek White had given Boston a lead. So that was huge shots by them. And then I also want to shout out Derek White just because in these most important games of the season, you're going to need a role player to step up. For Boston last night, it was Derek White. Fortunately for us, it wasn't enough for them to win. 
but Miami's going to need a guy just like Derek White to have a similar performance in game seven if they want a chance. But overall, they pretty much checked every single box other than Bam being aggressive, but I'll, I'll let someone else get, a, get on him if they want to. But overall, they checked every box. Can't ask for nothing more. Legendary game. Right. And do not bring up Derek White again, because I almost got pissed off last night, because if Derek White was really going to be the reason why our season was going to end, like, I don't know how I'd be able to work with myself for these next few months. So thank God that aside from that game he had, you were still able to win. And uh, let's see, Kevin, how about you? Yeah, man. Um, Obviously, it was a vintage Hall of Fame performance by Jimmy Butler, but I thought my Anthony hit on our three-point shooting. Um, Max Strews coming alive in that second half was crucial. You know, him hitting that big-time shot with, like, two seconds left on the shot clock where he pretty much just hoisted up from super deep with, like, one hand um, really got him going. Um, Kyle Lowry being aggressive and assertive. I'll touch on that later, but I thought that was big. But I think the biggest thing was defensively just clogging up the lanes for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown was probably the best adjustment that Spo made because I know you just said don't mention Derek White, but ultimately Spo just said, we're going to live with Derek White taking shots because he's taking shots away from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And we're going to clog the lane on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's what happened. You always had PJ Tucker. Like every time they look for that, that mismatch on Max Struess, they would always clog in the lane with PJ being there or Bam being there and help side ready. So like they had no driving lanes and they just had to settle for tough shots. And that's why they only took, I think what one shot in that fourth quarter between the two of them. So I think what Spo did, Probably going to go super under the radar, but he made some big-time adjustments to keep the series alive and push it to a game seven. So I was happy with pretty much everybody's performance for the most part. I honestly can't complain. Um, the Heat did what they were supposed to do, and now we're headed back home for game seven. Right, and what's your thoughts, Orchard? What a thrilling game. You know, everyone's been complaining about all the games being blowouts, and there you go. We got a game that was fought all the way until the end. There were some points where Boston took a significant lead, some parts where Miami took a significant lead, but overall the game was mostly close and it was entertaining through the, uh, throughout the entire time. And obviously it was going to be a challenge for us. I know a lot of – it's always a mixed reaction in a game six when you're facing elimination. Obviously a lot of factors against us. Boston had won uh, two straight games and they were, on, they were at home and – like we're able to do in game three, we were able to take another game on the road. And that's big, obviously, because our season was on the line. And the, I think the biggest thing for me was our energy. I feel like our energy has been very inconsistent in these last couple of games. But in, in today's, in yesterday's game, sorry, it was the same throughout the entire time. And I loved that. I loved our intensity. Um, and our backcourt was probably the big, big thing. I mean, Max and Lowry had zero field goals in the last two games. And then they combined for 31 in these two games. I mean, sorry, not these two games, in this game. That's just, that's obviously what you want. And like everyone's been saying, our three-point shooting was a lot better. And it really just came down to us knocking down shots. And the mentality to just keep fighting, even when things were looking bad for us, like in that fourth quarter when Boston went on a run and they eventually took the lead, the mentality of this team to just keep fighting until the end is really amazing. And we pulled through for the win. Obviously, I'll, 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 there's a lot of people to shout out for this, but I'll cover that later. Right. And Christian, um, to those who didn't hear earlier, um, Christian is now joining us. So, uh, Christian, what do you think about this one for Miami? I could not have been happier with the outcome of this game. It was great to see Jimmy give us another one of those all-time Miami playoff performances. I think uh, a couple things to note 
that were maybe a little different between games. I like the way Miami was shooting the ball. They definitely shot the ball with a lot more confidence. They were moving the ball better in offense. And of course they were doing what they do best in getting steals and creating transition buckets. It's definitely going to be interesting to see where this series goes because I think game seven is going to be one of the bigger games of the playoffs being that it's the Eastern conference finals, but it's just great to see Miami working again. I think another big thing would be a coaching difference as well. I think Eric Spolstra came out with a little bit of hype and a great game plan for Miami. I also heard that D Wade talked to Jimmy on the phone before the game. So uh, an all time heat legend might've given Jimmy just the right stuff in order to beat the Boston Celtics. So we have another important one coming up and uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. I hope that we can sustain the level of performance that we have over this past game and carry with us to the NBA finals. Right. You know, overall, just a great win for Miami. You know, their backs was against the wall and they came out and played great. You know, obviously, Jimmy is the main person for this episode. But with the next segment coming up, we're not going to go too into detail about it just yet. But, you know, like we mentioned earlier, guys like Max Bruce and Kyle Lowry, you know, when you got a starting backcourt like that, you know, obviously it's going to be tough when they're struggling, which is what happened in games four and five, you know, yeah, games four and five. So for them to come out in that game six and play their hearts out and both have good games, you know, it did so much for Miami. And like you guys mentioned about the three-point shooting as well, like Miami, like a great point you brought up, Anthony, was that they could just be shooting subpar and they'll still be able to have a good chance at winning the game. And it's funny because whenever Miami is shooting at their very worst, that's when they lose. Like a huge example was those two games we lost against Philly last series. So overall, as long as Miami can just keep their three-point shooting at an okay level, and hopefully that will be the case come this game seven, Miami should be fine. So, you know, we covered all of that, and now it's time to talk about the man of the hour, the man of the game, the man of this pod, and that's none other than Jimmy Butler. So without further ado, let's get right to it. So before game six, I was telling people that Jimmy was going to have a legendary game six performance, similar to what we saw from LeBron 10 years ago. And what's so insane about that is Jimmy ended up having a performance that was even better than that, if you think about it. Jimmy came up clutch for the Heat, and it's because of him that we are sitting here and talking about this game instead of hopping on this pod and addressing what the offseason would look like for the Heat. So with all that being said, like, what's going through everyone's minds when processing that Jimmy Buckets masterpiece? You're up first, Kevin. I mean, Jimmy's just capable of going to a different mode come playoff time. Like, he's a different type of dog. I feel like we've been saying this the entire postseason, like, He's built for the 16 games instead of the, eight, the 82, you know what I'm saying? And what he did last night was honestly just kind of crazy because, I mean, I expect him to have a big game, to be honest. Like, I expect him, like, he's one of those dudes that he's always going to go down with the fight, whether he wins or loses. Like, he's going to leave it all out there. You know, we've seen that in the 2020 NBA Finals. But the way that he just came out assertive, I think he had, what, like 16 points in the first quarter. And you can just tell he was a man on a mission. And everybody else, you know, follows suit, you know, and pretty much, like, when you, when you have a guy like that, again, the energy is contagious, man. And you just – you got to apply Jimmy, man, because he literally put the team on his back, and we've seen him do this plenty of times before, and he's capable of going into a different mode. But, you know, it's kind of concerning, though, because, like, you look at game four and game five, he kind of looked hobbled. You know what I'm saying? That ankle injury was clearly 
or excuse me, that knee inflammation was clearly getting to him. And then, of course, he tweaked his ankle in the game last night. And everybody was kind of concerned for him. And everybody was kind of holding their breath. But he just said, forget it. I'm going to thug it out. I'm going to tough it out. And that's exactly what happened. And just the shot making was at an all-time high. You know, the playmaking was there. Of course, he's always been, you know, capable of doing that, you know, since he's joined the Heat. But just the ability to just go and say, forget it. Like, I can score on anybody. I could be the best part on the court whenever I want to. And just to flip that switch is amazing because it's not too many guys that's capable of going into that, you know, different mode, that other level and channel their inner beast like Jimmy Butler does, man. So, again, for him to have that type of performance, you know, in that type of situation, you know, facing elimination in a game six situation in Boston at the TD Garden, which is one of the most hostile environments in the NBA, that's a hell of a performance, man. That's going to go down. It's not even just an all-time you know, individual heat player performance all time, but just one of the greatest individual player performances we've seen shoot in this century. You know what I'm saying? So hats off to Jimmy Butler. Um, and that's all I can really say, man. That man's a dog, and we've been saying it. So shout out to Jimmy Buckets. I couldn't agree more. And how about you, Orchard? Jimmy G Buckets. The G stands for gets. I mean, obviously the last couple of games, he has not looked like himself. Um, and I, the one thing I love about Jimmy is that he, he, he makes no excuses. You know, a lot of us were speculating that it's his injury. It might as well have been his injury, but he doesn't care. His, his thing is about winning. doesn't matter if you're hurt. If you're on the floor, you got to perform well. And he came into this game with a different mindset. He was aggressive throughout the entire game, unlike the other two games. I mean, you could just see it in the last couple of games that I, I barely saw him looking at the rim. He was looking to pass it, but in this game, he was, he was doing everything. He was getting rebounds for us. He was doing great on the defensive end, try, constantly attacking when he, um, when he had the opportunities, trusting his teammates. And you can't ask for a better performance in an elimination game. Um, and a lot, I mean, I can't really say much. I think Kevin kind of cleared a lot of what I wanted to say. But shout out to D-Wade because whatever he said to Jimmy obviously had him uh, in a different mindset this game. Right. And also quick thing, shout out to Draymond Green as well, because, you know, to anyone who missed it, the dude basically said that they were for sure going to play the Celtics. And although we don't have a for sure answer just yet, Miami wanted to make it clear last night that this, this series isn't over yet. So the fact that you out here saying, oh, yeah, you know, we already know who we plan. Well, you better um check your uh, facts real quick because it looks like things might be a little different than what you expected. And uh, let's see, Christian, you? This was an all-time great performance. I, I can't deny it. It's up there with LeBron's performance. He had 45, 15, and I think six. Jimmy with the um, the 47, uh, nine and eight. It was, it was just fantastic. Uh, there are a couple of historic stats that, I think people need to be talking about more. A couple pods ago, I compared Jimmy to MJ by mindset. The fact that Jimmy's a dog, he expects a lot out of his teammates. And while there isn't like as much compassion there, there's more of like, you know, a, a pushingness and a, a willingness to get those teammates to perform to their highest potential. So I think that Jimmy, in a sense, you know, while having that Jordan mindset, he said, well, someone's got to do something. So even though he was injured, he might have been fatigued. There were a bunch of things going on. He delivered a 47-point masterpiece. And Jimmy Putler became the second player in NBA history with multiple 40-point and four-steal games in a single series. And the first person was Michael Jordan, 1988, first round. So Jimmy Butler is now putting up Michael Jordan numbers. Now, not to say, you know, games 
four and five, it was a little shaky. You know, I think that there were, there were some things that Miami definitely had to adjust, but game six, Jimmy just came out on the mission and that was evident. Uh, there's also another stat as well that Jimmy became the eighth all time scorer for most points in an elimination game. And the guys ahead of him, you might've heard of a couple of these guys. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain had 56 and 53 in an elimination game. Sleepy Floyd, 51, uh, 50 points from Jamal Murray and Wilt Chamberlain again in elimination game. And Jimmy's just close there at number eight with 47. So the fact is when his back was against the wall and he was able to deliver, that's what's important. So I think we've been seeing great performances from Jimmy this whole postseason. The 45, five and five game, you know, a couple of 40 point games, 36 points here. You know, Jimmy, as you know, everyone on this pod has been saying, as Kevin and Orchard say, is it's a 16 game player. So it's just really been wonderful as a Miami fan to watch him play this entire postseason. And it's going to be so great to see what he can deliver in game seven. Exactly. And you, Anthony? Now, I've always been on the fence about whether I wanted to have kids or not. But I finally decided that after last night, I will indeed have children one day solely because I need to tell them about that performance from Jimmy Butler last night. I love what Orchard said about him not making any excuses. He wasn't, Lowry wasn't, Spolster wasn't. So many guys rely on excuse making so much. And as a fan, there's really nothing more frustrating. Like, can you imagine being a 76ers fan and listening to Doc Rivers talk? I I honestly don't think I could do it. So I love when not only they do, do they not make excuses, but they come out, they say they got to be better and they back it up. Now, Christian brought up his stats about Jimmy and, you know, eighth most all time, I think points in elimination games. But if you just count the road games, he's actually second all time for points in a road elimination win that just crazy numbers, the, the amount of crazy stats out of that game last night are just endless. I've said it on countless pods this postseason. He's the definition of a max player. There's only a few guys that can do what he did last night. I would probably end the list at him, Giannis, LeBron, and Durant. And he scored from everywhere. There's not a single spot on the court that he cannot take over from. And when it comes to these close playoff games and you got to score in the half court, having a guy that can do that is invaluable. And when it comes to the postseason, he's a top five player, no doubt about that. Right. And, you know, that's the thing with Jimmy, because, you know, it's insane how he's still disrespected to this day, especially when you look at the fact that he was getting some slander from some people, specifically after these two losses that happened in game four and game three. No, not game three, game five. I keep mistaking that. Like Jimmy Butler has always been that dude. And it's so funny because you had Stephen A. Smith who hops on first take talking about oh, you know, Jimmy Butler, he's not good enough to be the number one. You know, he could be the second best player on a championship team, but you can't rely on him to be the best overall. Like, what have you seen from this play, this championship run that he's been on so far? This quest for wanting to get his first ring. Like, what have you seen from that so far that makes you think he can't be just that? I mean, come on now. If you want to argue that maybe he needs a little help to completely get the job done, that's one thing. But to say that he can't win a championship as the number one player is absurd. And he better not bring that up in future episodes of First Take because they need to get that show canceled as if it already didn't need to get canceled in the first place. Because Jimmy's been that guy 
That's something we've been saying in all these episodes, and he's continuing to prove himself. And when he goes out and has one of the best performances ever, going into Boston, you know, playing for playing against one of the most hostile crowds in a, when it comes to these playoffs. You know, going out there and having 47 points in a playoff game, you know, when it's an elimination game for crying out loud, and you're out here putting up these types of numbers. Like, you cannot honestly say that he's not a championship player that he cannot be a championship number one guy at this point because if you are saying that then you're honestly delusional and you're absurd because whenever people have doubted him he shows up and does his thing that's all you could ever ask for and it makes me so happy because there was so much disrespect coming for him especially in this season and stuff you know people were saying oh you know he's not doing good and then you had some people trying to say his contract was terrible like just shut up and let the dude play all right say whatever you want about the regular season about how oh he didn't have a good game against so and so let me know what he does in the 16 games that are coming up come playoff time and then we can have this debate about how good Jimmy Butler is what he brings to the table the things that make him special once we see all that then we can have this debate and we're not going to even talk about that fluke playoff run last year because y'all know that man was tired y'all know he was exhausted battling COVID and everything so if anyone still has the problem with Jimmy still thinks he isn't that guy then guess what your opinion doesn't matter you've had all this time to fully come to your senses and realize that he's been that dude and he's been him and if you don't want to fully comprehend that and now like, you're honestly unteachable at this point, and there's no point at all trying to explain something like this to you, because it really is simple. It's not rocket science when talking about a dude like Jimmy Butler and what he's been about since day one. Anyways, we can only rant about these clowns that want to trash Jimmy for so long, but overall... What a great game, and I'm so happy for him, and I can't wait, as you guys said, what he will do in come game seven. So moving forward, while we can talk about Jimmy all day, we should also talk about the improvements because this was clearly not the same Miami Heat team that got blown out in the two games before game six. So with all that being said, like, what are things that you guys believe the Heat fixed to come through with this victory? We'll begin with you, Orchard. You know, here's the thing. I feel like game four and game five were really different games. I'll try. I'll just kind of list my main changes that happened, and then I'll kind of go individually into each game. Uh, I think the one thing was keeping the same intensity the entire game. There were so many moments in these last couple of games where it just went flat. And, like, for example, in the last game, you know, Boston went on a huge run in the third quarter, and we just had no response for them. And that was a common pattern that was happening in these games. And eventually it was getting out of control to the point where Boston was able to have such a big lead that it was tough for us to come back. Maybe, like, I feel like in the last game, or not, sorry, two games ago, you know, we were trying to, we were starting to make a comeback in the fourth quarter. But, like, if it's a 30-point lead, there's not much you can really do to catch up. Um, and then, you know, being more aggressive, everyone, most of our guys are being pretty aggressive. We're knocking down our shots. Um, Lowry and Struess were hitting their shots. That's the big thing. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that they had zero field goals in the last two games, and you can't have that from your starting backcourt. And it was obviously Struess struggled a little bit at the start, but once he once he hit that big shot, 
as the shot clock was expiring, it got him going, and he had 11 of his 13 points in the second half. And then Kyle Lowry, I can't tell you how how important he is to this team. He's he's he makes everyone's life easier, and we also need a shooting from him. Obviously, we've won plenty of games when he struggled, but in a playoff game like this, you need him to step up. And I saw, I mean, he was the first guy at the stadium practicing shots. He was locked in, and he definitely was able to show that in the game. And then going a little bit, and then going a little bit individually, I think from game four to game six, our rebounding was a lot better. I mean, we got out rebounded by twenty one. And that's obviously a huge difference uh, and huge improvement. Um, see, the thing with game five was that I thought we did a great job. It was just that we weren't hitting our shots. I mean, we were rebounding well. We forced plenty of turnovers on Boston. It just it just became – it was very simple. We just weren't hitting our shots. And that was obviously something we improved in the next game. So, yeah, there were I, I, they're both very different games. But I feel like overall it was just hitting our shots and keeping the same intensity the entire game. And Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's a leader of this team. He sets the tone for us. So when he gets going early in the game, it, it sets the tone for the rest of the team that they're also going to be aggressive and play strong. And I've, I feel like last season, one of the big things was Jimmy Butler being strong in the first half and then our other guys being strong in the second half. And that's what happened in this game. He was pretty much carrying us through the first half. And in the second half, we had people like Lowry and Struz helping us um, hit shots. Right. And Anthony, you? Well, I'm going to keep it simple. I think the biggest improvement they can make in game seven is just turnovers. Like I said earlier, they had 17. That is the most by far in a game for them this series, uh, making it even more shocking that they won. But other than that, I really got nothing. I mean, they shot the ball well. I'm not going to mention Bam because he is what he is at this point. You're not going to get much more from him offensively. Defense was great as always. They do got to do a better job closing out on threes. There was a couple of times it was either Horford or White in the corner and Bam would run out and jump in the air and leave his feet. I don't know why, you know, he's got to do better taking some choppy steps and kind of catching up to them because they had a couple of blow bys and were able to get to the paint. But other than that, obviously defense was great. I got to give Tatum credit. I felt like most of the shots that he hit were pretty tough, but even when it mattered most, him and Brown only combined for two field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. I like the idea of Derek White beating you. A lot of people were getting annoyed saying, how can you let Derek White beat you? Well, you know what? If Derek White's going to shoot like that, then nine times out of 10, you're going to lose the game. Obviously, fortunately, they didn't lose the game yesterday, but I don't expect to see that from him again. I like the idea of cutting off the head of the snake, and that's what Miami did last night. Right. And you, Christian, I think a lot of it came down to Miami playing their game a little better about getting the steals, getting out in transition. And eventually that's opening up opportunities for them on the floor. But as Orchard was saying, game five, it was just really difficult, you know, to watch because Miami wasn't hitting their shots. There were a lot of shots in game that I felt like they should be hitting, but uh, they just weren't. They were rebounding the ball a little bit better, definitely playing better defense. But I think when it came down to it, aside from Jimmy just getting almost anything he wanted on the floor, uh, it was just Miami hitting their shots. Their free throws were also some sensational 24 of 25 from the line is fantastic for a team and they needed almost every one of those free throws so it's good they were hitting but aside from that i think it's just you know hitting shots the heat have the foundation they have the framework to win they have one of the greatest coaches of all time and they have a really great roster around them so if you're not going to hit your shots and go 32 percent from the field and 16 percent from three you know that's <laughs> that's not going to help you at all especially game four when they shot better from three, they shot 
percent from the field game for, but thirty nine percent from the three point line. You know, that's that's not really going to help you. You really need to have a decent, probably at least forty percent shooting from the team, and just you know, a, a well balanced defensive effort. So once Miami kind of started hitting their shots and got into their groove, uh, it definitely made it a way easier game for them because it opened up more opportunities for other players. So I think it just came down to shot making, more or less. Right. How about you, Kevin? To me, it's simple. Um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest improvement made from game four and game five is that Kyle Lowry finally decided to be aggressive and assertive in the first half and not wait until the third and fourth quarter to start putting up shots. Like, as a point guard, when you're watching your entire team struggle and not being able to knock down shots, eventually you have to tell yourself, like, okay, I'm not going to pass anymore, and I'm going to just try and get buckets. Like, it was a play, I want to say in game five, and he literally had he made, like, a nice move on his defender. He got right to the rim, and then he threw the ball to Jimmy for no apparent reason, and Jimmy smoked the layup, but he had an easy layup for himself, and I was just like, why would he do that? Like, Kyle being aggressive opens up everything for everybody else, for Jimmy, for Max Drews, for Bam, for everybody to get easier opportunities. And we saw that last night. When he actually decides to shoot and actually is serious about it, he makes the Celtics defense actually work because for the rest of these games, the other five games of the series, every time Kyle Lowry's coming off of a screen, they're literally not even paying attention to him because they know he's going to pass it every single time. But when he's actually coming off that screen and being aggressive, it makes everything easier for the Miami Heat offense. And that's why I was so glad to see that because He's that guy. A lot of people love to chirp on Bam because of his contract and because they think he's the next Heat lifer and all that thing. I understand that to a certain extent, but nothing against Bam, but I've been saying, like, Bam's not – I wouldn't consider Bam a score, and that's why I don't like when people put that on him because he's never been a score. You go back and watch Bam when he was in high school, he's not a score. He's a really good big man, and some nights he can have games where he had – what was that, game three, I think, um, big-time performances like that, but that's just not him consistently. And so for Kyle – this is what I expected from him because we have all the weapons. I don't need him to score 20. I think he had 18 this game. I don't even need him to do that. Do that. Just be solid and be aggressive. And when the shots are there, take them. That three that he hit in the fourth quarter to tie the game up, I think, what, 97 was huge. You know what I'm saying? But he had every single bucket he scored last night was pretty much a big-time bucket. It was a momentum-shifting bucket. And I honestly thought that was the biggest thing. And I also mentioned, too, like clogging up the lanes and living with Al Horford and Derek White jumpers were big, too, to, to take away opportunities for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That was huge. But I think the biggest thing, man, was simply just Kyle Lowry being more aggressive because, again, it makes life easier for the rest of his teammates. And you've seen that he offense looked a million times better when he's actually being assertive and aggressive from the jump and not waiting until the second half to start to get things going and put up bricks, you know, when it's too late. Right. You know, overall, the Heat, this was just simply not the same team that we saw in game four and game five, they were ready. They knew the agenda. They knew that this was the time to act up or their season would be over. And they just rose to the occasion. You know, everyone did their thing. Obviously, as you guys brought up, you know, there's the whole commotion regarding them, you know, not being able to get much buckets. But still, even with him, he was great on defense like usual. So everyone just tried to come in and do their thing. And that's what helped us, you know, especially with that starting front court. You know, like you mentioned, uh, Kevin, you had the fact that Kyle went and made that game tying three to tie it up at 97. And then you had Max Struess, who I know someone mentioned earlier, had that great triple where he made with the shot clock being at, I think, like one second. 
you know, this team, you know, you look at everything they went through so far and seeing how much they had struggled in the games prior. Like, they knew the assignment. They knew the agenda. They knew that the time was now. Like, if they want to go and win a championship, they need to take care of business. And that's what they did during this game six. And you love to see it. And hopefully they keep that energy running for game seven because we know Boston's going to be hungry. They, they're they going to do whatever they can to win that game because, you know, this is a team that's been wanting to go to the con- – to not to the conference finals. They've already been there. But to go back to the NBA finals for, like, what, the first time in 12 years? So Miami has to be ready. And I know they will be come game seven because seeing the way how they showed up and basically said our season is not going to end like this – you know, this team, like, I'm telling you, I'm just excited to see what's left. And hopefully, if God is willing, by the end of Game 7, we get to see more of this team do their thing. Anyways, we talked a whole segment of no Jimmy Butler. Well, I, I know we brought him up here and there during this past segment. But even then, to have a whole segment that's not dedicated to him yet again is kind of insane because he... Come on, like he is the man of the hour, man of the pod, man of the whatever. He's the man of everything right now after that game he had. So it's only right that we shift the focus back to him. And that's by looking at our Miami Heat stat of the game. Jimmy Butler is currently the only player in the playoffs who is averaging 25 points per game on 50% shooting. So considering that Jimmy had dealt with so much disrespect, especially as I said earlier, you know, during this series, you know, after dropping games four and five, you know, what do you all make of this jaw dropping stat? Uh, Give us your thoughts, Anthony. I mean, (laughs) there's not much to say. The fact that he's doing what he's doing, well, not only, you know, points wise, but the efficiency is insane. I mean, I said last segment, he's scoring from literally everywhere. And a big portion of that is from the mid range and three point line. So to be over 50%, especially coming from a guy that, that can't shoot, where does that come from? He's literally doing the type of thing that, you know, we all said at the end of the season and we see the video of him working out shooting threes. And we say, Oh, if we can get a Jimmy Butler that can shoot threes, this team's going to be unstoppable. You know, everybody just kind of says that in jest, joking around, but out of nowhere, we're, we're getting it. We're actually getting it. And it's unbelievable the points that he's putting up and the efficiency that he's doing at. I, I don't really got much else to say other than he's he's him. He's him. Right. Christian, you? It's just another component of how great of a postseason Jimmy Butler has been having. He's already had some all-time great performances, I think, in the playoffs for a Miami uniform. I think in the single postseason, he's got um, the most, I think, 40-plus point games for Miami. Or I think overall, the most 40-plus point games for Miami in a postseason. So arguably, he could be called one of the greatest postseason or if not the greatest postseason performer for Miami. But it is ridiculous that he's taking all these different shots, you know, from the mid-range, from the three, and he has that efficiency. So I think that's a major component on Miami's success this postseason. And again, it's just a testament to him as a player. He's able to turn it on when he needs to. And I believe he's playing through injury as well. So that was one of the most shocking things about the 47-point performance last night. You know, watching the past couple games, I'm like, oh, you know, if he's injured, he's injured. You know, that's not really like on him. But at the same time, you know, he just goes out and he has one of the greatest performances. So I think Jimmy Butler, again, I have to say he's him. He's that guy. And, you know, good luck stopping him when he gets there. But um, 
I even think if Boston's bringing, you know, double teams or whatever, Jimmy's just going to cut through, whatever, find the opportunities, find his teammates. It's, it's very difficult for me to see uh, or to say that Jimmy's like not probably the top postseason performer so far this postseason. If the Heat win game seven, he's got to be Eastern Conference Finals MVP easily. And uh, I think he's going to really make a name for himself if they get to the finals. Amen. And you, Kevin? Yeah, man, this just goes to show the, the efficiency that Jimmy plays with. Like, a lot of people always love to knock him because, you know, they say he's not a three-point shooter anymore. And you actually seen the Celtics game plan was kind of like to sag off of him for the past couple of games. But, again, in the postseason, like, he takes his game to another level. In the regular season, he, he barely even shoots three. I've seen, I just seen he attempted two this year, but I think that's, like, the most he's, he's had in his entire career. Like, he barely even shoots threes in the regular season. I know you guys probably know it was plenty of regular season games where he didn't even attempt to shoot a three. So, like, you can't take it too seriously. But come playoff time, like, again, he just goes to a different level, man. He's he's way more locked in. I think he shot, what, 16 to 29 or something like that in this game. Like, that's unheard of for a dude that they say can't shoot and this and that. You know, he had wrist surgery a few years ago. That was kind of under the radar. But, you know, a lot of people thought he lost his jumper after that. But it's still it's still there. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, he had four threes in this game. And again, for for him to just come out and continue to put on performances like this, at, you know, shooting at this clip and just being this efficient, it's amazing because there's only a handful of guys in the NBA that are capable of putting up numbers like this. And so, um, he fans, you guys are spoiled. I hope you guys know that. Um, Dwayne Wade, bless you guys. He's still blessing you guys. And understand that Jimmy Butler is and has always been that dude. And it's really just as simple as that. And that performance, again, was legendary. And I hope we get to see more of it in this current postseason run. I agree. And how about you? Uh, let's see. Who, who's next? Um, Orchard? Yeah. I, you know, I the, the percentage for me is really impressive. But I honestly just think it's the improvement he had from the regular season to playoffs. I know, like, a lot of people were saying he was finished. And especially there were, like, moments, especially in, like, clutch moments when you take bad shots and, Miss, I remember that one game against Sacramento where he missed the open layup to send the game to overtime. But it's just super impressive to see him, like, absolutely. He, I think he's had a great regular season, but to see him take such a huge jump into being one of the best players in the postseason so far, if not the best, is absolutely amazing. He takes very smart shots, maybe except in clutch moments. Um, but he, he he's a really smart guy, and... He doesn't hog the ball like a lot of other people do. He doesn't take a lot of unnecessary shots, not afraid of any mat any matchups. I mean, I'm pretty sure like almost everyone was switched on to him during the game, whether it was Smart, Horford, or Tatum. But yeah, like I, I don't have much to say. It's just super impressive to see him flip the switch and become a different monster in the playoffs. Right. And it goes back to what we've been saying earlier about how he's not a regular season type player. And that's why, you know, we all like to talk about the MVP campaign for Jimmy. You know, can Jimmy win MVP for once? You know, can Jimmy do this? Can Jimmy do that? And the truth is, he doesn't care about those type of awards. You know, he just wants to go out there and win a championship. The only award he's worried about is finals MVP. So the fact that he's at this point where he's just five wins away from winning a championship, you know, this is all he's ever wanted. And he's showing how much he wants that ring. So, and you can see it, you know, we've seen it in this playoff run and we saw it last night. 
he's gonna keep doing his thing, and that's all you could ever ask for from the from a guy on this Heat team because we know about the Heat culture, we know how hard everyone works, and what we saw from Jimmy Butler last night was just a major example of it. So overall, I just loved it, and you know. As much as we can keep the Jimmy Butler praise going, you know, we're not trying to make the pod last for a whole 24 hours. So it is unfortunately time to move on from the Jimmy praise for today's episode. So since we talked about that, it's time for the final topic of today's pod. And that's none other than talking about this game seven. And as we already know, there's so much on the line for the Heat come game time. And considering how much pressure will be on both teams to perform, what's everyone's expectations for the Heat as they try to make it to the NBA Finals for the seventh time in franchise history? Kick us off, Christian. Uh, it's it's going to be... Uh, I think a, an uphill climb fighting these Boston Celtics. They're a, they're a fantastic team. They're a tall team. They're a long team, but it's hard for me to go against my gut instinct and say the Miami heat are going to pull this one out in game seven. I think that we'll get a pretty, pretty great performance from Jimmy. I'd say maybe like, you know, 30 plus points, um, you know, maybe eight rebounds, eight assists. I think in, in general, you know, we're going to see some better performances from heat players. I think Struess will probably step up a little bit. Maybe we'll get like a 15 bomb from Gabe Vincent. Um, it, it's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. It's probably going to be a pretty closely contested game and perhaps the most closely contested game of this series. But it, it's hard for me to pick against Miami. I think they finally got their footing back in game six. They're going to be at home. They, they know their opponent. They've already played them six times in a row. And I think if they stick to their game, which is playing really, really good defense, getting out in transition, you know, forcing the turnovers, getting the easy buckets, that sort of opens up everything else. And if Jimmy wants to, I think that he might have to be in like a, one of the best players of the world conversation. If he wants to go for 40 plus 50 plus in a game seven must win in the conference finals, that just pushes him above and beyond that to me pushes him into a, okay, is this guy now like, you know, a, a top, top player in the NBA, like move over Giannis KD, you know, and beat whoever else, like, move over Luca too. Like th- this is Jimmy t- uh, season. So I'm really looking forward to just seeing how this game turns out. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a Miami win because I have a good feeling they'll be able to take on the golden state warriors in the finals. So it's going to be great. And hopefully they'll make it. If they make the seventh finals uh, team franchise history, that's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be mostly uh, due to the play of Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree anymore. And Kevin, you? Yeah, man. I'm, of course, I'm rocking with the Heat in this game. I think the biggest thing is that they have to make the first initial punch. You know what I'm saying? They have to make the Celtics feel the pressure first. You know, you're playing at home. You're more comfortable on these rims, obviously, because, you you know, you practice around these rims. Um, so they have to make that initial punch. And um, obviously, you got to protect the ball. Um, they've been kind of up and down with that when it comes to, you know, preventing turnovers. So um, they should be able to do that. But I think the key is they're going to need a Max Struess game. I think that's the key. I've been saying Max Struess is the key because um, just like Kyle Lowry, like his shot making ability, same with Duncan Robinson, opens up a lot for this heat offense. And I think if, if Max can make, I want to say four to six threes, that could be a game changer. You know what I'm saying? Like that could literally win the game for the Heat just off that alone. So I think Jimmy Butler is going to be him. You know, Bam is, should be otherworldly defensively. 
Um, the concerning thing is, though, if we're being honest, like the Celtics have been really, really good coming off a loss. Like they've been phenomenal every single time they've lost in these playoffs. But I just think this Heat team is built different. That's why I think they're going to win this game. Um, I expect Tatum and Brown to kind of adjust. I expect Ime Udoka to do the same thing. But I just trust the Heat a little bit more playing on their home court. And again, I just think it comes down to Max Struess. I, I truly believe that he's going to have to hit somewhere between four and six threes for us to solidify this game. I think he's capable of it as long as he's just not forcing it. Cause I think that's been a big time thing. Like obviously the Celtics defense is one of the best when it comes to guarding the three point line, but Max has just kind of been forcing it. I think that's been a big issue. He just needs to settle in and take the shots that he feels comfortable taking and not overthink anything and just let it fly and just be a shooter and keep shooting no matter what happens. So I think that's a big thing. And then again, like I mentioned earlier too, Kyle Lowry, just be aggressive. Like just him, just him being aggressive makes life easier for the rest of his teammates. So I think, all those are going to be major factors. But, of course, at the end of the day, I have the Miami Heat coming out and winning game seven and moving on to the 2022 NBA Finals to play the Golden State Warriors. Exactly. You know, it's going to be very tough for Miami, you know, when you look at what's going to be ahead of them. I mean, like I said earlier, this is going to be a Celtics team that's going to be very hungry. But, you know, I know this Heat team, like we already saw what they did in that game six wanting to show that they're capable of coming back even when all the odds are against them. So there's any team that's going to be ready for it. Like, it's for sure going to be the Heat, and especially as long as our front court is making their shots. You know, like you mentioned, Max Drews. And as long as they're just simply getting their buckets, we should be good to go. And Orchard, what's on your mind? Yeah, I mean, a couple of keys, obviously, is the turnovers. I know turnovers... Listen, if we end up having a ton of turnovers in Game 7, I won't be surprised because it's a common issue we've had all playoffs long. But there's been a couple of games where we've been able to just limit that. And I think one was against the Hawks, but obviously this Boston Celtics defense is a lot better. So if I, I do expect us to have a, a ton of turnovers. But obviously I want to just say that it's always best, obviously, to not have as many. Um, you know, responding well to scoring runs, it's going to happen. There's going to be times where the Celtics go on a scoring run, and it's all about trying to disrupt it. We're at home. we got to take advantage of that um, and, you know, continue to make life tough for Brown and Tatum. Obviously, I, we, it was a, obviously, our defense on them was amazing in the second half. And I really like what you guys brought up about having to sacrifice that for people like Derek White and Al Horford making shots. You rather that because you don't want your star – you don't want their star players to get hot because they're going to keep going. Rather than role players, they're probably more likely to not be as hot through for a longer period of time. And then obviously, you know, hitting our shots and staying aggressive. Um, Lowry, Struess, hopefully a hot Tucker hits his shots too. And I think the biggest thing is staying really disciplined on defense. I mean, obviously, I think it's pretty obvious to me that the officials are not are looking to blow the whistle as if there's even a tiny bit of contact. So, you know, trust each other on defense and have your hands up, man. Just it's gonna be tough. Um, trying to not get called for a foul, and you just gotta keep your you gotta keep your the mindset right throughout the entire game. Mm -hmm. And you, Anthony, last night, game six, just under five minutes to go. Derek White hit a monster triple to give Boston the lead. He had a huge four threes fitting to match his huge four ahead, but guess what? <laughs> it wasn't enough. Spolstra called timeout as Boston was celebrating on the sidelines as if they had already won the game. Marcus Smart and Peyton Pritchard were pinching their fingers together to demonstrate how extremely close they were, but it was all for nothing. 
Lowry hit the huge three and Hemi, Jim VP, Jim Reaper, Jim Buck or G Buckets went off to leave the national media shook. We all know what Draymond said. And even ESPN spent the pregame doing a Celtics versus Warriors final preview. I don't know what type of garbage that was, but now that a game seven is a reality, all the national media is left sitting there stunned like they are actively rooting against the heat. And I love it. Miami loves it. That's when this team is at their best through adversity. We fight, we fight, we fight. Let's go. Expect Miami to win by 36 and Max Struess to drop 54 points. My gosh, I don't know. Last time you said it, you know, we did take the L. So I'm a little worried about you saying it again. Why was I know you was going to bring that up, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I, Why did I... I don't know, us, man. man. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just saying, like, I cannot I, I cannot have any jinxes right now. Like, I'm feeling superstitious to the max. So I just cannot have any sort of jinx come at this team. So instead of 54, I'll just um, have him say that you only expect him to drop 15 points just because 54 is probably going to jinx us. All no right? guts. No, because come on, the dude went and missed like what 16 threes <laughs> after you said that. <laughs> like, we, Fine, we fair, fair, fair. I so he'll have hopefully 15 points. So shout outs to you, Max. All right. <laughs> so, anyways, we talked so much on today's episode that before we close it out, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HBTW Podcast while checking out our website at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com. That way, you still have access to 24 7 Miami Heat content even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode because we'll be recording a new pod after every playoff win for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least five more episodes to record before we officially end season two of Heat vs. the World. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast, and we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.